So I have the privilege of um, speaking a little bit on the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. And um, I say a great privilege because um, there's a, uh, I just get to share, I'm going to share my experience. And uh, I'm going to try to do it very informatively and uh, brief. I've never been brief yet. Even when I put forth all my effort in being brief, I think I did it once and it didn't go over so well. So um, the scripture in Matthew 3 um, where John the Baptist, um, he talks about the baptism of Jesus. He, he kind of like introduces as Jesus as the baptizer. Um, and I, I want to, and Denville did a really good job um, you know, at this part, I'm just going to kind of reiterate, um, there are things that are not optional that we've made optional, especially in America. And I'm not going to beat up on the American church and all this stuff. I've been overseas. I've, I've seen um, Christians. I've been in churches where I've had the privilege of speaking. And I'm like, what am I doing here? <laughs> like, these people are here to hear from me. I have nothing <laughs> to um, impart to them because they're moving and they're growing and there's persecution and they're doing it. And you know what I mean? They've planted you know, pastors that have planted 80 churches in three or four different countries, and like, what am I doing here, you know? Um, but what I see is that we have options galore. Everything we do in life, we have options. Like, there's just, if you don't like it, you just make your own option. And you say, well, this is, this is, you know, this is for me. I'll take this. I don't need that. I'm looking, you know, Jade and I, we just, we just moved, and we're like, we don't want cable, but we want internet. And they were like, do we want a phone? And what, you know what I mean? And we're going through all the options, the Comcast options. And I feel that we've made, just like we've made water baptism an option, um, even more so we've made the baptism of the Holy Spirit an option. Um, in Scripture, you do not see um, this as an option. <laughs> in fact, um, in Acts 8 and in Acts um, 19, um, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So these are disciples of Jesus. I just want to point this out. These are disciples, disciples of the gospel, not necessarily disciples of Jesus, the person. They, they were not under Jesus, but they were disciples of, of the gospel. So they were, they were doing their thing. They were, you know, they were probably preaching the word. They were probably um, discipling others, Okay. Um, they answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So could you imagine that? So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the, in the, name of the Lord Jesus, excuse me, when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. They were about 12 men in all. Okay, so there's another scripture in Acts um, 8. I don't know if you guys have that on cue. You don't have to get it on cue. It's okay. I don't want to read it. Um, where similar situation goes, Paul sends forth... Um, Peter and John to go impart the baptism of the Holy Spirit on people who are in a similar, somewhat similar situation. Okay, so this is something that's really adamant for us as believers. If, if you just want to kind of come and, and 
like I said, or maybe you haven't even had your mind made up yet. You know, I'm not, I'm not trying to cond- bring condemnation on anybody because we're all in different places in our walk. Some of us are, are newly saved. We don't even, we're trying to grasp still, you know, the virtues and, and just characteristics of what it is to be a follower of Jesus and, and Jesus himself. We're still getting to know him, and we have yet to even, you know, um, be introduced to him in certain ways and in the different facets of his character and of his heart. Um, so I'm not trying to condemn uh, people or pressure you into say you need to do more. But what I am saying is that there is, for those of us who have been walking down this road for quite some time, um, there's more. And it's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because, um, you know, I've known people, and you see it in Scripture, um, when people have been with the Lord, people have been discipled by Paul or whoever, and they're baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they're sent out. So I want to just kind of talk about a few principles, a few points of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What is it for? Um, is it just a denomination? Um, I, I feel also um, that it's become a, an, an option, a Christian option, denominationally, like, okay, we got the Baptists over here, we have the Lutherans over here, we have the Presbyterians over here, um, and the Pentecostals. Okay, it's not, it's not the Christian premium Pentecostal package. You get the tongues and you get the jumping and dancing, the shouting and the flags. Okay, um, it's for everyone. And I just want to demystify kind of the, the Pentecostal stigma you know, that, that we have. Um, because I think even in the vineyard we have, you know, we've, we've kind of said, oh, we've moved from a vineyard movement to a lot of people say, I go to the vineyard non-denominational, and it kind of creates this room for you to just say, well, I'll take that. I'm going to leave this out. That kind of creeps me out. It's cool when it's done in this setting, but in that setting, hmm, the shaking and, and the tongues and the, and, you know, and it's not about the behavior, okay? So let me just make that my first kind of statement. Uh, I just want to be like kind of casual in, in what I'm going to do up here. Um, that's just my first statement. It's not Pentecost didn't happen um, for us to act a certain way, okay? Um, it didn't even happen so we can learn to speak in tongues and, and work on our intimacy with the Lord and our spirit-to-spirit, you know, prayer. Um, it didn't happen so we can just see things in the spirit. It didn't happen so that we um, had power to just heal the sick and cleanse the lepers and cast out devils and raise the dead. It happens so that the kingdom of God can be, in, can be advanced. And I think that that is straightforward. Um, if you call yourself a Christian and you're not interested in the kingdom of God advancing, no matter what denomination you are, um, I've yet to find someone. I've yet to find someone to say that. Okay? So, Pentecost happened. You can read it in Acts, you know, um, 1 building up to 2. And basically, there was a, a prophecy fulfilled, which is Joel 2.28. So there's two, just in, in the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire, there's two main uh, prophecies I just want to read. And, and the first is Joel um, 2.28. And it says, It will come after this that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind, and your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions, even the male and female servants. I will pour out my spirit on those. I will display wonders in the sky and on earth, blood, fire, and columns of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great awesome day of the Lord comes. And it will come about that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be delivered. From on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there will be those who escape, as the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. Okay, so the prophet Joel says, in that day I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And this was fulfilled, and we can read it in Acts 2. This is um, as Peter and the other disciples uh, who are waiting 
um, at the command of Jesus to wait in, in, in the upper room for the promise or for the gift of the Father, which is the Holy Spirit, to, be, to fill them. Um, they come out and they're defending what happens as, as all these men are standing around. They're saying, it's nine in the morning, you guys are drunk. Um, what are you doing? They're saying, no, this is what the prophet Joel prophesied. Um, that he will pour out his spirit on all flesh and, and all that I read. So you see the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there's a, there's a purpose for it. Okay, there's a purpose for it. It's not just because I run in this circle and this is what we do. This is how we decide to worship God in our church. We wave flags and we jump and we dance and we pray in tongues. Um, this, is, this is Miami, okay? There's plenty of, of zealous, jubilant worship going on in the city, void of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, okay? So I, one of my fears is that we can fall into um, kind of a, a groove of, the boisterous, the jubilant, the, the halal praise, as, as we say, um, and we kind of associate ourselves with Pentecost or Pentecostals, um, and we're void of the true purpose and power um, that the Lord, des- you know, desires to impart through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and that is to go into all the nations, okay? So, we have to get this. It's critical because Jesus paid a very high price on the cross. He told his disciples, it's better for you. It's more beneficial for you. It's best for you that I leave so that the Spirit can come. Okay? And the Spirit came on Pentecost, and the Spirit comes whenever we call on him. But it's so that we can go out and fulfill the Great Commission. Whether your uh, purpose and destiny is Australia, Africa, Asia, Miami, Oregon, Canada, your job, your family, it's as you go, but just go and, and establish the kingdom and demonstrate the kingdom, okay? So your destiny is dependent on the infilling of the Holy Spirit. It's dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit. Like I said, it's not just so you can pray in tongues. You may say, okay, well, my destiny is to start a business. I know God's spoken it to me. I need to start, I need to start the business. I need to hire employees. It's going to be here in the U.S. And I, you know, it has nothing to do with saving souls or whatever. I'm not doubting that that's a vision from the Lord. Um, but if you want to see, if that, uh, let me just say, if that is truly the destiny that God has given for you, there's a purpose greater than just making you money. Okay, I'm just using this as an example because I'm trying to pick something that's, you know, we sent Daniela off as a missionary, so we're thinking of spiritual things. Let's think of something a little less spiritual, okay? Say being here, being a business owner, okay? Um, your business um, is meant to bless the kingdom of God, and in turn, God blesses your, king, blesses your business, right? So the power of the Holy Spirit is very, very, very necessary for you, okay? Because it's establishing the kingdom. You may never lay hands on anybody. You may never heal the sick. You may never um, raise the dead, but the power of the Holy Spirit is very important for you, okay? Because it's, it's this power, it's this electricity, it's this force, it's God. It's, it's he who gave Jesus the power to, to resist the devil in the wilderness. It's who gave Jesus the power to heal people everywhere he went, to raise Lazarus from the grave. It's he who... Um, it's, thank you, Lord. 
yeah, it's he who, who allowed Jesus to endure the cross. It's he who resurrected Jesus from the grave. The Holy Spirit is God, equally God as Jesus and God the Father. And I think we can very easily, just, just blindly, through just how we, we view the world and how we view Christianity and the kingdom, really grieve God. When we look at the Holy Spirit and his um, desire um, and his attributes, his desire for us, when we look at it as less than, and we look at it as, you know, this is just optional. I'll take, I'll take, the, uh, I'll take the sinner's prayer. I'll take the baptism of water. Um, I'll be discipled. I'll go to prayer meetings every night. I'll go to a mission trip. I'll tithe. I'll give an offering. But when we don't open ourselves up to the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire, it severely grieves God. Um, and I want to talk about the fire part just really quickly. Um, is that clear? I mean, did I get I, just, I don't want to be, I'm trying not to preach. I'm trying to, like, really teach. It's, it's something different for me on a Sunday morning. It's the stage that does it. If I had, like, a chair and I was sitting behind a pulpit, I'd be able to just sit and teach. But um, I'm getting antsy. I need to, like, shackle my, my legs so I stop walking. Um, okay. Grab hold of this thing. <laughs> yeah. I just want to, be, I want to be clear. I want to really demystify this, you know, because it's, it goes beyond worship. It goes beyond our expression. It goes beyond who we identify ourselves, our, our doctrinal uh, views, our theological views. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, Jose is brilliant in how he teaches the baptism. Uh, I've heard numerous people preach it this way now, so I don't know. Uh, I'll give credit to Jose. I'll say they got it from, from Jose. Um, but really the word baptism is the word to pickle. It means to pickle something. So you, know, you guys, have anyone, anyone here ever made pickles? Okay, just one, two. Okay, don't be shy. It's, pickles are delicious. Three, come on, get free, guys. <laughs> All right, so you take a cucumber. You make a solution, a very potent, powerful solution. You take a cucumber, that's one thing. You dip it and you immerse it in the solution, and it comes out something else. It comes out a pickle. It has a different flavor. It has a different texture. And this is the word baptism. It's our word it's in Greek. It's our word in English to pickle. So when it's baptism of water, we're being baptized. Paul says in Romans, we're being baptized in his death and we're coming up in his life. When we get baptized in the Holy Spirit, we're being soaked and permeated and immersed in the power of God. Like I said, the power that raised Christ from the grave, the power that was, that's why Jesus was able to do what he did because he had the power of the Holy Spirit. He was baptized. The heavens were open. Denville read it. I'm just going to reiterate it. The Holy Spirit rested upon him. The, the, the Father, the voice from heaven came. The Father said, I approve of you. He made a public approval of his son before he did any ministry, before he made any efforts, before he sent out his first newsletter or he prayed for his first batch of prayer cloths and sent them out. Before he wrote his first book, God says, I approve of you, my son. And the Holy Spirit not only fell upon him, rested on him, and the first thing God did was send him into the wilderness to be tested by the, by the enemy. Every, tem every temptation had to do with his identity and his purpose. And the Holy Spirit was what upheld him. He came down in power and began his ministry. Only because of the Holy Spirit. Jesus had to do this. I, I've said it and sometimes people get kind of like, oh, well, Jesus was God. He was God because the Holy Spirit was in him. He did the things of God because the Holy Spirit was in him, I should say. Okay? He's fully God and fully man. But he had to come and, and, and 
redeem that example that Adam had lost of being sinless, of having dominion over all the earth. So he needed the baptism of the Holy Spirit so that he could, at that point, show for generations and generations to come what it's like when man lives in in unity with God, with the Spirit indwelling in him, okay? So baptism of the Holy Spirit is nothing more than the Holy Spirit immersing you, pickling you. You come out, you have the revelation of God, you have the heart of God, you have the, the mind of God. You have the boldness. There's faith. There's faith to do the things you've read about. There's faith to do the things you've heard other people about, do about. I'm sorry, <laughs> to do. Um, you've heard people say they've done or, or read them to do. Um, that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, what's pretty cool is John says the baptism of the Holy Spirit in fire. And, you know, this is something that I've studied for, for quite some time because, you know, the, the theological argument is this two baptisms, is this one baptism, are the two synonymous? Does one happen after the other? And you can read, you know, as many theological opinions or doctrinal opinions and, and slants and views um, as, as you can imagine. Um, I believe, um, I've seen it, I've seen them in tandem. I've seen them in tandem. I've seen them what appeared to be not so in tandem. I've been touched by the fire of God way after I've been baptized by the Lord. I believe that you get baptized once in the Holy Spirit. I believe the fire of God can touch you often. There's been numerous times in my life where I've cried out because I've fallen, um, not backslidden, but I've just uh, fallen into a groove and I've just kind of been, you know, um, mediocre and average and my desire has been gone, you know, has has left me to to just serve the Lord and and to do the things that I I used to do. And I, I just said, God, I need your fire. You know what I mean? Like, give me your fire. And just recently... Um, a few weeks back, I, I just sat at an altar at a meeting, and I, I promise you that every time you cry out, and it comes from a place of repentance, the fire of God rests on you, and it burns it up. And, and for this, this has been numerous times for me. Um, I don't know, you guys may have a different, you guys may have a different experience. Um, there's been people that we've baptized, that they've been baptized in water, they say, I've never been baptized in water, or I was when I was a kid, and we baptize them in water. They get baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire in one shot. And I was like, wow, that was really easy. <laughs> I wish my experience was a, little, was a little different. And partly I believe that, um, you know, we can fall victim to a gospel that says, well, first you need to just really, um, you need to make a decision to follow the Lord a little bit, make a decision, give your, give your heart to God. And then you learn about a baptism, what it is, and then, uh, you know, a few months later, because you need some time, you can get baptized in water, and then it'll probably take some time after that. You know, you need to really kind of wrap your head around the Holy Spirit and the person of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and then you can experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In Scripture, you see it, you see it in one shot a lot of the time. John says, this is Jesus. He's coming. He's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, the baptism of fire is, um, it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's a bit intimidating just in how it's, bap- how it's, um, how it's portrayed. Uh, but mainly, the, the, you know, just the main scriptural, um, or the, the other prophecy I just wanted to share, the main scriptural backup for it is, is Malachi 3.24. Um, I'm just going to read it. <clears throat> it says, but who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? 
For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a smelter and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, so that they may present to the Lord offerings in righteousness. And then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and as in former years. Now, again, I want to expel this belief that, say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. My heart is yours. Come into my life. And that takes care of everything. Okay? Um, that, that is the same, um, <laughs> that kind of parallels the same belief that Christians cannot be tormented by demons, don't need deliverance, um, the kind of um, doctrine that, that um, frowns upon healing, that frowns upon dead raising. I, you know, I, I had a conversation a few years ago, and, and the Lord had just kind of sparked revival in our lives, and I was there with a, we we're at another church, and we're standing, I was at lunch with some brothers, and we we're kind of standing around talking, and I was talking about um, a ministry that, um, you know, uh, some people that we knew who have a ministry, and and uh, just dead raisings. And they were like, you don't really believe that, like, the dead can be raised. And I had such a problem with that because I'm like, well, then, then our Savior is still in the ground. <laughs> our Savior is still in the ground if we don't believe in dead raising. Um, it's about the power of the Holy Spirit, okay? Um, and the baptism of fire is nothing more, if you look at the word baptism, again, to be pickled. It's, it's to be submersed and just receive the very nature of the fire of God as, as God as an all-consuming fire. So God is an all-consuming fire. We get baptized in the death and the resurrection that comes with water baptism. We get baptized in the Holy Spirit and we get filled with the power. It enables us to go into all the world. It enables us for there to be results when we go into all the world. Because you can go into all the world and come up empty-handed. I was talking with Denville over coffee this week. There's nothing worse than not having what somebody needs when they come to you dying of cancer and you pray and you pray and you pray and nothing happens. That's not heaping shame or condemnation on, on myself or anybody who's done that because you know what? Like you just go in faith and you do <laughs> what God calls you to do and you persist and you persist and you persist. And who knows why uh, you can walk by someone and they can be healed and then you can fast and pray and pray and pray and pray and somebody still die. Who knows? But the fact is you do it. But it enables us. It, give us, it gives us the power, not just the boldness and the desire, but the power. And in the baptism of fire, we become a flame. As God is an all-consuming fire, we become a fire. And it burns out, like it says in Malachi. It cleanses us. It's, it's for sanctification. And I like it because it's the, it's the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. When you are struggling with something, and it's been years and years and years, don't give me a show of hands, but I, I can imagine the count, the hand count in the room, because if I had more than two hands, I'd raise all of them. But how many times have you been like, God, <laughs> aren't I saved? I believe you're the deliverer. Why am I still struggling with this sin? I've seen you advance me in areas that I shouldn't have, and there's areas, you know, very fundamental areas where I'm still struggling with sin. You need the baptism of fire to come and burn it out. You need to submerge you in his jealous, passionate, cleansing flame that heats up the gold so much it skims off the impurities and dross 
from the surface that burns up the silver so much it skims off the dross and impurity from the surface that burns the, the chaff from the threshing floor. That's what you need. And that's what the baptism of fire is for. And it comes with repentance. I should have read the first verse of Malachi 3, but Malachi talks about the messenger coming to lead repentance. And he's talking about John the Baptist. And then he says, and then who will stand on the great day of the Lord as he stands as a, as a refiner's fire and fuller soap? So what, what we want to do today is, you know, you can have somebody come up to you and say, you need a baptism of the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. You need that Holy Spirit fire. You can get that old Pentecostal. Listen, I've been prayed by so many uh, sweaty Pentecostals pushing on me. Listen, I'm as Pentecostal as the next person, so I can say that, okay? I, I just realized last year that I'm Pentecostal. <laughs> I thought I was like vineyard. Oh, vineyard. I'm like, you know, laid back Pentecostal. I'm blah, blah. There's all these different things. You can, you can find a name and a niche for whatever your theology is, for whatever you feel comfortable with. It's all a bunch of BS, okay? I'm a Pentecostal because I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I pray in tongues, okay? I have visions. I dream dreams. I heal the sick. I'm charged up with the fire of God because I want to see the world saved, and I want to see Jesus receive all the glory that he, precious, he spilled his precious blood for on the cross. That's what makes me a Pentecostal. I'll go wherever he wants me to go, and I say that, I sound really great saying all these things. Okay, I'm very imperfect. You can ask my wife. Okay, but that's my heart. So I'm a Pentecostal. I can go and I hang out with my Baptist brothers and sisters. I can go to Calvary Chapel, Christ Fellowship. I love everybody. We're all in the kingdom. It's good. But for me, if I don't see nations saved and I don't see people on a daily basis come to a revelation of Jesus Christ, I start to get dehydrated almost. It feels like you're dehydrated. Okay, so what I want to do is, I know we're waiting till next week. We're going to do the uh, baptism in this tank over here with water. Simultaneously, I do believe that people are going to be filled with, with the Holy Spirit. I believe, um, I also believe that now God is going to do something. And, and I want to just provide a space up here at the altar. So if, um, if you've maybe been misrepresented um, the baptism of the Holy Spirit or fire or, you know, you've, you've seen somebody at an altar screaming, fire, and people shaking and falling out, and you said, that's just really weird. Um, I don't know what it is, and I've heard that there's a kundalini spirit, and I've heard that there's all this stuff, and you know what I mean? And if you ask God for his spirit, he's not going to give you a stone. He's not going to give you a snake. He knows where you're at. 